Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study of the book of Proverbs. We are still in chapter 4, and um, so let's just begin reading in verse 20. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Okay, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for once again giving us the privilege to study your word. And Lord, I pray for those, especially the young people who will be watching this video or hearing the audio. Dear God, please work in their hearts. Um, Give your son a mighty harvest save many young people and bring them into the kingdom and cause them to grow, Lord, that they would walk in a wisdom greater than the generation that preceded them. Dear God, that they would live for you, that they would be lights shining in this fallen and ruined world. Oh, dear God, increase the fear of you in their hearts they might lean upon your word and help us now in Jesus name. Amen. Now, just a quick review. Um, I really love this passage because it divides up so neatly and and each category is so very helpful to us as believers. Um, Pay attention. Remember, that's the main theme here that we need to see the worth of God's word and pay attention to it. So we're to pay attention to God's word, verses 20 through 22. We're to pay attention to our heart. Oh, we need to learn to guard our heart, especially in this generation. Verse 23, your mouth, 24, because uh, whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Your focus, verse 25, pay attention to your focus. Where the eye goes, the feet soon follow. And also your path. Verse 26 through 27, you need to keep your eye on the path. Now, I want to do a quick review. We're still in pay attention to God's word. So let's read there again and then quick review and then we'll advance. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now, when he says my son, 
as we've already gone through, but I want to emphasize something. Um, there are going to be people in your life who are going to correct you, rebuke you, point out things that are wrong, and yes, some of them will have bad motives. But even those who have wrong motives, it's still good to listen, to ask ourselves, even in their wrong motives, um, is there something true in the statement? You and I should be open to correction and rebuke so that we can grow in the Lord. Now, of course, there are extremes. People who, um, there may be people who come into your life that it's like their great goal is to tear you down. In time, you're going to recognize them and you need to get away from them. But the people who truly love you, especially the ministers of Christ in your life, when they tell you that you're wrong, it is possibly for your good that they do so. And especially when we're talking about your parents. You know, it seems like children are so quick to listen to their friends or even to listen to other adults. And they don't esteem the counsel of their parents. That is not wise. Now, in verse 20, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. First of all, give attention. Listen. Second, incline your ear to understand what's being taught to you. And then in verse 21, once you understand something, the battle is not over. <laughs> I wish it was, but it's not. As a matter of fact, the initial understanding of a biblical truth isn't really that difficult. It's persevering in it. It's not forgetting it. That's why throughout the scriptures we constantly hear that we are to remember, to remember, to remember, to not forget, to not forget, to not to depart from the path, God's path. So you see, learning is a battle, but it's not the ultimate battle. Obedience is a battle, but it's not the most difficult. Persevering in obedience unto the end, that is the trial. So he says, do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Um, as we're going to see, our heart is, you know, the control center. And uh, everything else in our life, our words, our eyes, our ears, our feet, everything, hands, are all determined by the content of our heart. And so we want to guard our heart. Now, we go on and we look in verse 22 and we're going to see the promises to those who actually obey what we already studied. It says in verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Um, it seems kind of unusual here that he seems to be moving out of the spiritual realm into the physical realm. But for the Jew and in the Old Testament, there wasn't quite the division that we make. Here in the West, we've been influenced so much by uh, maybe Greek philosophy that, that we make divisions, you know, kind of divide our life up in the spiritual and the physical and things like that. But it's not really wise. We need to see ourselves as just one whole. The physical, it has an impact on the spiritual and the spiritual has an impact on the physical. And so we need to look at both of these things as one complete whole. Now he says, 
with regard to the commands, excuse me, this has been, <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, he says, they are life to those who find them. Now, there are so many truths here. But first of all, let's look at for they are life. Now, I want to read from Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. Moses said to them, take to heart all the words which I am warning. With which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law, for it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word, you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. Now, you know, it, there's some texts that you come across and you go, you know what, I'm just not going to be able to communicate this. Um, young people, listen to me. The word of God is not just about living correctly. It's about living. God is the author of life. He's the giver of life, the preserver of life. And one of the ways in which that life finds its fullest expression is through our obedience to the word of God. Now, is God wiser than you? Yeah. <laughs> Does God love you more than you love yourself? As difficult as it is to imagine, yes, he does. So does the devil love you? No, he hates you. Is the devil wise? No, in spite of all his knowledge, he, he is a fool. So to whom are you going to listen? To God? To the devil? Do you honestly think he's, he has it as his purpose to give you life? Are you going to listen to people in the world? People who oftentimes think in a manner totally distinct to God, but oftentimes very conformed to the thoughts of the evil one. To whom are you going to listen? Because here it is very, very clear that it is the word of God that brings life to those who find it, to those who find it. Moses said to them, take to your heart all the words which I am warning you today, with which I am warning you. Take it to heart, not just listen. OK, I listened. Not just understand. But internalize it, make it a part of you. You know, you can look at all the most nutritious food that exists on the planet, but unless you take it in, it's not going to do you any good. You can smell it all day long and it smells wonderful and it may bring you some pleasant thoughts, but it's not going to feed your body until you internalize it. It's the same way with God's word. You must take it as that way of life that starts with life and leads to life and goes on to greater life. The word of God. He says, take to your heart all the words which with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. Now, why do parents pass down the word of God to their children? Well, it's commanded. And for those of you who are parents are listening, you need to be very careful about this. This is not an option in raising a family. This is a command, a demand. We should be teaching the word of God to our children. But it's not just because we want to be obedient. It's because we want them to have life. I look at my oldest son, 19, my second son, 
17, my daughter 13, my youngest daughter 5, and you know what? I want the best for them. This morning when I left the house, I visited their rooms. I wanted the best for them. And that's why I'm going to give them the word. And young people, when your parents make an attempt to teach you the word, know that they're giving you the greatest gift they can give you. The greatest gift is not a secular education or a million dollar endowment. The greatest gift is to know God and his word. He says in verse 47, for it is not an idle word for you. Look, studying the scriptures is not just about being, you know, this spiritual person who goes to church on Sunday. Studying the word of God is to impact every aspect of our lives. The way I handle money, the way I dress, the way I talk, what I watch and don't watch, how I make decisions, administrative decisions and other things. It's all dependent upon the word of God. There's not one aspect of our life that should be lived in autonomy, self-willed, apart from knowing the will of God. It's not an idle word. The scriptures are a blessing and they bring blessing and they bring life and they are effective and they are productive and they do lead us down paths of productivity, paths of blessing. And we need to take it seriously. It's not an idle word. It's not a useless word. Indeed, it is your life. It's life. Young people, to the degree that I have submitted this life of mine to the word of God, it has been blessed. And to the degree that either for ignorance or rebellion, that I have not submitted my life to the word of God, I've always paid for it. God loves us. God is all wise. Listen to him. He goes on, he says, for by this word, you will prolong your days in the land. You know, it appears in the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, in many places that the life of the wicked is cut short. Now, we say to ourselves, how do we balance that out? Because God is sovereign over everything. Yes, I know. Both those truths need to be held in attention. God has decreed even the day of our death. We have an appointment. We will one day die according to the will of God and we will stand in judgment. And yet at the same time, we are warned that lives can be cut short through disobedience, through rebellion, through violating the principles of God's wisdom. Life can be cut short and the blessing of life can definitely be cut short. I know people who have lived long and miserable lives because of their constant and purposeful rebellion to God. You do not want to be one of them. It says, and by this word, you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross, about to cross the Jordan to possess. Um, again, God is all sovereign. And yet God says in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. There is so much that I am convinced, even in my own life, that I do not possess with regard especially to conformity to Christ, usefulness in the ministry, simply because I did not press on. The more we know God's word, the more we submit our lives to it, the more useful we are in the kingdom of heaven and the more blessing that can be in our life. How many 
uh, families and marriages and relationships would be far more blessed if we simply turned aside from our own opinions and we followed the will of God. What would this world be like with regard to prosperity and blessing and joy and light if even in our imperfections we sought to honor God by seeking to obey his commands, to submitting to them? Now, he says, for they are life to those who find them, and in verse 22, and health to all their body. Um, let me just say this. It doesn't mean that if you're obedient to God, you'll never suffer pain, or you'll never get sick, or you'll never die. Because <laughs> um, we all die, and we all get sick in times, and we all get tired, and we all suffer many physical ailments. Maybe as a young person you say, well, I don't. Well, you will. I can guarantee that you will. But the truth to be drawn from here is that sin has a detrimental impact on the body as well as the soul. Sin will affect you in so many, so many ways. Um, I'm reminded um, where we live, there's a lot of uh, problems with a drug called meth. And a lot of times on billboards, you will see people who, beautiful young girl or handsome and strong young man on one side of the billboard and then, you know, and then to the right, you see, it's like a before and after picture. You see after one year or two years on meth and it looks like they have aged 50 years and 50 years of misery. It's, it's incredible the impact, the negative impact that drug has on not just the mind, not just the spirit, but on the body as well. And that is a great illustration, terrible, but effective illustration of the power of sin. It can be and is so damaging. In Proverbs 5, 11 and 12, it says, and you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I can't tell you how many, t how many men have been told by their doctors, if you don't get your diet under control, your weight under control, you're gonna die of a heart attack and they simply will not listen and they die of a heart attack. Um, that's the same way when it comes to the word of God. How many times ministers like myself have pleaded with young people, please stop doing this sin. It will not only ruin your soul, it will ruin your life. It'll not only ruin your life and relationships, it'll ruin your body, but they will not listen. And in the end, this verse in Proverbs applies to them. They groan at their final end when their flesh and body are consumed and they say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. You know, I'm gonna tell you something I've told my children many, many times. I tell them, you know, when you're little and you get in trouble, dad can come to the rescue and, and pull you out. But there'll come a time when you can violate God's law, violate even the commands of men and 
not even dad will be able to help you. An illustration I often give is both the scriptures say you should not be drunk and man's law says wisely you should not drink and drive. But how many young people have violated that, not listened, then they're in an accident, they kill someone, and they're standing before a trial and they will face years in prison and they say, Dad, help me. Mom, help me. But Dad and Mom now can't help you. You're out of their hands. You see, you can commit sin and there's, there's forgiveness and there's salvation for the greatest of sinners, but there are consequences. And do you need to be afraid of them? I would tell you yes. There are things which we should fear. And the consequences of sin are one of those things. Now, sin has a detrimental impact on the body as well as the soul, but righteousness has a healing and rejuvenating impact upon the soul, mind, and body. A righteous life bears fruitful, helpful, healthful consequences. In Psalms 92, verses 12 through 14, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. I love that passage. Now that I'm about to turn 60, I especially love that passage. Let's look at it. So it says here that the righteous man, the man who is righteous by faith in God, but who also seeks as a response to live a righteous life, who feeds upon God's word and seeks to submit his life to it. It says he'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Well, I've seen those cedars. They're pretty impressive. It's, they're strong. Their roots are deep. Men and women who study God's word, even in their old age, when others around them are so afraid of death and the end of their life that is coming, the ones who believe in Christ, the ones who feed upon God's word, while everyone else is being washed away because their roots are so shallow, the righteous man, the righteous woman, their roots go deep and hold them steadfast. You know, um, I don't fear the end of life. Why? Faith in Christ, but also a life, though very fallible, a life that has at least sought to be governed by the word of God. And the word of God has saved my life from so many terrible consequences. And um, your parents want the same for you. I want the same for you. That's why I'm teaching this. And it says they're like those planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Those who draw near to God and his word, God knows them. And he knows their ways. And that word know doesn't mean he just understands or watches them, but he's intimately involved 
in their life. And he strengthens them through the Spirit. Um, one of my favorite persons in um, all of Christian history is a man by the name of George Mueller, who ran an orphanage by faith. And uh, there's, a, there's a picture of him. It's my favorite picture. He's probably in his late 80s or early 90s, and he's seated in a chair. And it's obvious, you look at him and you see an old man. But have you ever seen one of those, I don't know if they even have them anymore, when we were kids, it's like a drawing of something made out of some sort of plastic or metallic material. And if you look at it from one side, you see one image. And if you move and look at it from another side, you see another image. That's kind of the way that picture of George Mueller is. Uh, when you look at it, it's like you're looking at a 92-year-old man or something. But the countenance on his face, at one moment he's 92, and the next moment it seems like, I don't know, he's a mischievous 14-year-old boy. There's, there's a, a vigor, there's a life, there's a, a, a youth to him. And I think this is kind of what we're talking about, so rooted in God's Word, so rooted in a relationship with God, so beautiful. Uh, I've seen so many people, I could name them, uh, heroes that, that I've known, who, when I met them, they were very, very old, but they seemed to have more life in the tips of their fingers than I had in my whole body. And it comes from just a long relationship with God in His Word. Verse 14, they will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. You know, even though when we get older, our bodies start falling apart and they become weaker and it's easier to become tired. There's something else, though, going on, really. I'm not making this up. It, there's also a strength, um, inward, life, hope, and it's all the result of, of God's Spirit working in those who know His Son. Um, In many ways, my body is not as strong as I used to be. But there's an inward life that is far greater than the life I knew as a young man. And a strength full of sap and very green. You know, being someone who spent so much time out in the woods, sap is an amazing thing. I mean, you take a branch and it's maybe full of pecans or full of uh, walnuts or apples or cherries and it's just abounding with fruit. Why is that? Because of the sap that's running through it. And then you cut that limb off the tree and uh, in just a few days all the fruit is gone. That's such a great picture of the life of God in the believer, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. As we draw near to God in fellowship, as we draw near to Him in communion, there's strength, spiritual strength. People always ask me, they go, you know, Brother Paul, I feel so weak and, and I don't feel like I can go on. And 
And I always ask them, well, tell me about your quiet time, your devotional time, your time with the Lord. And usually almost in every case, it's going, well, it's not that good. And, and you know, you got to go to a well sometimes to draw water from it. Um, you need to go to God every day. And then you need to, through that, develop something of a, an awareness of your independence or your de dependence, I'm sorry, your dependence on God throughout the day. That's one of the purpose of trials. It really is young people to show you how weak you are and how strong he is when you draw near to him. He says they will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and, gr and very green, not just green. Not just a little bit fruitful, but very fruitful. And why are they made that way? To show the power of God, to declare that the Lord is upright. Uh, God's eyes are going to and fro to find those whose heart belong to him. And uh, it, it's not a matter of are you strong enough? Uh, it's a matter of are you dependent enough? Um, as a matter of fact, trials, another purpose of trials is to make us see our weakness so that we trust in him. All right, well, young people, um, it's been a shorter message today, but I hope it's been helpful. And, and I hope you would see the benefits, not just of you know, following God in some ambiguous manner, but following him according to his word. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com 